Well, what is the true reason for the season, as they say? Well, as I'm sure none of you will be surprised, the true reason for the season is not what this modern world thinks. The true essence of Christmas is not Christmas lights, it's not beautifully wrapped gifts. The true essence of Christmas is not even those good things like uh, family gatherings and, and, and doing good things for, for the least of these. The true meaning of, Christ, of Christmas, when, when we celebrate the coming of the Lord, is the Lord himself. It's not Santa Claus. I don't know if you were paying attention to the news this week. Uh, there was this uh, piece of news um, about a, a school assembly, a Christmas assembly, uh, and the vicar of this Church of England uh, parish, uh, he preached a sermon on which he said to the year sevens and up uh, on that uh, assembly that Santa Claus didn't exist. And apparently this was a big shock to some of those, what, 10, 11 year olds, that Santa Claus does not exist. Well, my kids are the only kids here and they know that Santa Claus doesn't exist. But, but that is the problem, isn't it, these days? We've taken Christ away from Christmas and Christmas is meaningless in reality. These days, um, you find it often in, uh, in, uh, in commercial uh, enterprises. Uh, they no longer spell out Christmas, they, they spell out Xmas. Or people will no longer wish one another uh, happy or Merry Christmas. I know some of us uh, don't like the, the, the verb to, to, to make merry for other reasons, but we no longer set, uh, wish one another a happy Christmas. We, we wish one another more, much more inclusive, uh, happy holidays. Not realizing that that's not inclusive, that is ex ex excluding the very reason for the season. And we must confess, must, can, shouldn't we, that even us Christians, even us Bible-believing, born-again Christians, we at times forget to concentrate, to concentrate and to focus on Christ. I'm supposing like me, like all of us, uh, we, we start weeks beforehand Christmas uh, preparing, thinking about the, 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 the Christmas lunch, the Christmas dinner, thinking about whether you do it on the, uh, this evening like we do or tomorrow morning, thinking about whom are we inviting? What are we giving to one another? We, we go on the internet and we, we spend weeks and weeks and weeks in advance planning for these things. And even on the day, we lose focus and we don't ponder on the real reason why we celebrate this date. Again, the Bible doesn't tell us that we should celebrate on the 25th of December. We all know this. But given this, given this sad situation that we forget to think about Christ, I thought that 
perhaps this morning, it would be interesting for us to ponder on a question. Since they want to take away Christ from Christmas, let's, let's ponder on the question, what if Christ had never come? What if Christ had never come and stepped into this world? I wonder how many of us have considered the consequences of this. If Christ had not come, what, what would that mean for us? What would, what would the world look like? We're all used to what-if questions. I'm guessing all of us have asked this question of, of different moments and of different decisions that we've made in our lives in the past. What if I had uh, studied more? What if, what if I had gone to university? What if I had uh, uh, married a different person? What if, I, what if this? What if that? In fact, there is, there is a whole genre of literature uh, about these what-ifs. It started back in, perhaps in, back in 1931 with a book that was written, If, uh, or History Rewritten. It's a book of his, uh, essays written by historians where they ask hypothetical questions of large or uh, significant world events. Winston Churchill wrote one of those essays. Uh, J.K. Chesterton wrote another one. And there were questions about what if Napoleon had fled to America? What if, uh, what if Henry VIII had not uh, wanted a divorce? What if uh, the Spanish Armada had uh, been able to invade England? Those kind of questions. What if? What would have happened? And, and those questions are significant. But think for a moment about the, the impact of the question, what if Christ had never come into the world? Think, just ponder for a moment. What would that mean for us now? What would that mean for you and me? What would the world look like? That's the, the basis for the message this morning. And the, the text I've chosen is in John 15. Let's turn there. Let's read John 15. John chapter 15, we'll read three, three verses. Because in this passage, the Lord himself, our Lord himself, he pre presents this if question. He himself uses the phrase, if I had not come. So it kind of falls uh, very nicely into the theme. John 15 And we'll read verse 22, 23, and 24. The Lord says this, and I'll, I'll, I'll give a little bit of the context in a moment. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me, or he who hates me, hates my father also. If I have not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. Now, the context for this is that Jesus is right at the, the cusp of his crucifixion. It's the upper room disc discourse, the, the evening. Uh, and that evening, he, he is addressing the disciples. He's giving him, them the, his last instructions before he goes on to be crucified. And as he is 
at this point, as he is reflecting on what he's about to do, he's also reflecting about the significance of his coming. His birth. Why is it that Jesus was born? And, and if Jesus had not been born, if he had not come, Jesus says in verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, and then in verse 24, if I had not done among them the works which I have done, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, perhaps before we get, uh, move forward, uh, it's important to consider what Jesus means by, by the by saying that they would have no sin. The issue that Jesus is addressing here is that Jesus, the Son of God, the Word incarnate, had come to his own, as John says in, the, in, the, in, the, in John chapter 1, had come to his own, and his own did not receive him. And that was the sin that Jesus is implying here. The, 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 the Jews, the, the, the scri at large, the scribes and Pharisees, they had heard, they had seen, they had, uh, they had understood what Jesus was saying, and they rejected him. And that's the nature of their sins. Jesus is, is in a way, uh, saying that they heard him speak about the Father, and they rejected him. In fact, in chapter 14, the Lord Jesus says uh, precisely this. This, he says, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak of on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Same language, the speaking and the working. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Jesus is saying, if you do not believe the words, believe the works. Look at what, what has been done. Isn't that what the, the theme as well, before we move forward, the theme of John 13, uh, th uh, John 3, when this uh, Pharisee, Nicodemus, comes to, to the Lord and he says, Master, Rabbi, Rabboni, we know you, I know you're of God because you could not do these works unless God was with you. No one can do these signs unless God is with him. That's the thing. Jesus came to do the works of the Father. And they despised him. And they rejected him. He fulfilled the works of the law. And they nailed him to the cross and rejected them. Perhaps the first thing that we need to realize if Jesus had not come is that if Jesus had not come, we wouldn't know the Father. Jesus himself states it. Jesus himself says it clearly that he came to reveal the Father. He has come to reveal the Father. You might have known of the Father if you're reading your Old Testament as a Jew. But you don't know the Father. Jesus is the one who reveals him. Jesus is the one who makes him known. And you begin to see the consequences. If Jesus had not come, we have, would have no knowledge of God, of his revelation. So what would be the other consequences if Jesus had not come? Again, this list is not exhaustive. But it's meant to highlight certain elements of the gospel, certain elements of, of Christian living. What are the, the consequences of Jesus not coming? Well, if Jesus had not come, we would still be in our sins, wouldn't we? 
we would still be under condemnation. For Jesus himself, he says, he came to give life and life abundantly. He came to give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus' coming is the basis for our salvation. Without his coming and without his sacrifice, we would have no hope. We would remain unredeemed, unsaved, lost, and eternally damned. We would have no hope. The world at large, before the coming of Jesus, was without hope. Death was the end. There was nothing to look forward to. Imagine, for a moment, if Jesus had not come, a world completely devoid of hope. And I don't think we need to strain our minds that much, do we? To think of a world that is completely devoid of hope. Because that's what we see in the world today. It wasn't me that said this. It was Francis Schaeffer, the, um, the a Christian. He said that you look at the world and the, and the epidemic uh, of, of psychosis that exists. And then you look at how the world is uh, moving away from Christ. And you see that those two things are correlated. Because as society has uh, unmoored itself, and I'm paraphrasing, I didn't write down the, the quote, but as society has unmoored itself from Christ and from religion, as he says, uh, society has lost hope. And that's why we see this epidemic of, of taking antidepressants and anxiolytics and, and, and uh, all manner of, uh, of drugs to Fill that gap that only God can fill, or to try to fill that gap that only God can fill. If Christ had not come, eight billion people, imagine that, living without hope. If Christ had not come, it would even be worse than it is now. The rates of depression and anxiety, suicide, all those things would be far higher. You know why? Because if Christ had not come, we would be overwhelmed with guilt. Go and ask a psychologist, any therapist, any counselor, uh, and if he's being honest, he'll tell you that the number one problem that they deal with is the, the, the issue of guilt. People are guilty, feel guilty. Uh, they, 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 they struggle with their life decisions. They struggle with how uh, they've been treated and how they treat others and they struggle with these things. And the, the, one of the axioms of modern psychology or in, in modern uh, counselor help is you need to learn to forgive yourself. Why? Because we live in a guilt-full world and a world full of guilt, that is. If Jesus had not come, this world would even be more overwhelmed with guilt because he came to deal with guilt to do away with guilt imagine the old testament world the old testament world with all its sacrifices in the temple all the thousands millions and perhaps even billions of, of animals slaughtered every single day every single week every single year thousands upon thousands of, of animals slaughtered as a guilt offering. And yet, 
as soon as the, that animal's throat is, is cut, as soon as that animal is bled and burnt up, that person who offered that sacrifice to the priest, to, for the priest to do on his behalf, that person goes back home and the guilt is still there. Granted, if he's a faithful Old Testament believer, he, his guilt is still there, but he hopes, he knows that God will do away with sin eventually, but he knows that the blood of goats and bulls cannot wash away our sins, as the author of Hebrews says. Imagine that. If Christ had not come, we would have no hope. We would have no uh, solution for the problem of sin and guilt. But Christ has come. In the, in the tabernacle, the high priest, the, you, 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 there is a, a very detailed description in the Old Testament about the tabernacle. The place where animals were to be slaughtered, the place uh, and the, the different uh, instruments and the things that are to be there, even how they are to be made and, and all of it so carefully detailed. You know the one thing that is missing in the, in the whole of the temple complex? A chair, a place to sit. You know why? Because it was meant to be an, a, a, a day and night occasion. There, there is no rest because the guilt of man is, is perpetual. We, get, we sin day in, day in and day out. Every living moment of our lives we are sinning. So the priest has no place to sit. But praise God. Christ has come. And we read there in Hebrews, don't we? Hebrews chapter 1. That when he had made the purification for our sins. When he had made the, the purging of our sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Because the high priest, our Lord Jesus Christ, accomplished that which no other priest could. There are no more sacrifices to offer. There are no more lambs to be slain. His death on the cross was ultimate. But another thing, if Christ had not come, the law of God would, remained, would have remained unfulfilled. The law would have remained as a, a master over us, brothers and sisters. The law would remain a master over us to accuse us, to condemn us, to bring us, to remind us of our shortcomings and of our violations. The law reveals the character of God, but the, the law only reveals the character of God in light of the sacrifice of Christ, in light of the coming of Christ. Had Christ not, not come, the law would still be this burden over our shoulders telling us every single waking moment of your life, you're a sinner and God's wrath is upon you. But when Jesus declared on that cross, it is finished, the telestai. It is done. It is finished. Because he came and he fulfilled the law. It signified that the law was done. It was rendered obsolete. It is still, uh, uh, 
it still shows us the character of God. It still tells us uh, what is pleasing to God, what, it, what God would have us do. But it no longer functions as an accuser. It no longer functions as a, as a burden over us because Christ fulfilled the law in every way. He was obedient to it as a man. He, he fulfilled the law in all it, that the law was pointing towards with Christ. You know, the law with the, with the shadows and the types, the fact, the, the, the promises and the prophecies, all of it was fulfilled by him. And at that moment, it all, at that moment on the cross, it was done. Colossians says it in, in chapter 2. And you being dead in sins and trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made a life together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And then he says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When Christ came, he took the law full of its decrees and, and, uh, and its uh, burden upon us, and he nailed it to the cross as Hebrews chapter 8 says. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 13 says, A new covenant, he says, he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. You see, without Christ, we would have no gospel. The law would only be there to accuse us. But we, without Christ, no gospel. And without the gospel... No mercy and grace, no forgiveness of our sins, no eternal life. And you might ask, well, what about the people in the Old Testament? People in the Old Testament, they, they didn't have Christ yet. They didn't have the gospel, the New Testament yet. And they had forgiveness and they had grace and mercy, didn't they? Yes. But the question is not what, what was there in the Old Testament. The question is, is on what basis the people in the Old Testament, the believers in the Old Testament were saved? It was on the basis that Christ was to come. Had Christ not been promised to come, had Christ not come, they would, not, they would be as hopeless as any. In the Old Testament, grace and mercy was based on the fact that Christ was coming, that there was a Messiah, a seed of the woman, that there was one who would crush the serpent's head. Without Christ coming, we have, would have no basis for the forgiveness of our sins in, in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. And neither would we have any basis to enter into heaven. Now, this, this is a fine point of theology, but I, I think we need to understand this. And I mentioned this last week, but I'll mention it again. One thing is to be forgiven of our sins. And that's great. But you know where that leaves us. With a debt, with a with a, a clean, uh, with a debt-free uh, situation, but that's not how God uh, meant it for us. If a man comes and pays, let's say you're full of debt, a man comes and pays all your debt, you know how much money you're going to have in your bank account? Zero. But Christ coming means that we get an entrance into heaven as well. Not just the forgiveness of our sins, but we are brought into the presence of God himself. And you ask, how? How are we passed 
from this uh, to, to, to being allowed entrance into heaven through the merits of Christ. Had Christ not come, you wouldn't have merits of your own. Even if your debt was wiped clean, you would still have no merits of your own to be in the presence of God. But Christ came and fulfilled the law perfectly so that now his benefits, we enjoy them. The Bible says that we are heirs with Christ Jesus, co-heirs with Christ Jesus, which means that what is his is ours in virtue of, our being, of us being united to him as our head, virtue of us being the body of Christ. If Christ had not come, none of this would be ours. We wouldn't be able to call ourselves the children of God. Yes, John 1 clearly states, states this, that to those who did receive him, he came into the world, and to those who did receive him, God gave them the, the power, the right to become a child of God. Why? Because we were not. These days, that's a heresy tell, told in this world. We're all God's children. We just have different uh, perspectives on, on, on God as our Father. But we're all God's children. Well, now, now we even deny the, the fatherhood of God, and we want to uh, bring inclusivity into it, and we talk about all kinds of messed up situations that I won't go into. But isn't that the case? If Christ had not come, none of us would be children of God. Because it's only because he is the one true, the only begotten son of God. And because we get united to him through his cross. As he dies there on our behalf. It's only because of that that we become then sons. As Paul says, sons in the son. Have you ever wondered why Paul says that? That we're sons in the son. Because that's it. It's in virtue of our union with the son. It's in virtue of our being in him. As Paul says in Ephesians, in him. It's in virtue of that that we become children of God. If Christ had not come. Here's another one. If Christ had not come, we wouldn't know the love of God. The, the height, as we considered a few weeks ago, the depth, the length, and the breadth of the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's how we know the love of God. The cross outside of Jerusalem, shows us how much God the Father loved us by sending his Son. The cross outside of Jerusalem shows us how much the God the Son loved us by willingly laying uh, and being crucified there, by laying down his life there. It's the love of God that gets revealed to us in the coming of Christ. That's why Paul, when he's writing to the Corinthians, he says, it's the love of God that compels me or compels us to preach. It's the love of God. Uh, it's like your, your, your back is against the wall, Paul says, and it's the love of God that compels us. In fact, I would argue, and it's not my argument, it's the Bible's argument, that we do not truly love unless we know God. For God is love. He who knows 
uh, he who loves has been born of God, John says. He who knows has he been born, uh, he who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. There is so much more, brothers and sisters. Uh, the list goes on and on. It's not, this is not exhaustive. If, God had not, if Christ had not come, we would still be under the wrath of God. As Romans 1.18 says, that now God, Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Let me turn there. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress truth, truth in unrighteousness because what, what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. God says there are two sins that are particularly grievous. grievous. Two sins that are particularly wrath-inducing to him ungodliness and unrighteousness goes on to say in verse 21 and, and following because although they knew God they did not glorify him as God nor were thankful and ungratefulness but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened professing to be wise they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. If Christ had not come as a propitiatory sacrifice to appease the wrath of God, we would be under the wrath of God because we are unrighteous, we are ungrateful, we are uh, uh, ungodly. And the wrath of God is upon us. But he came. And I want to dwell anymore if Christ had not come. I want to spend some time considering Christ did come. And the benefits that we enjoy from it. I want us to come and see what God has done. He came. And this high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Because he was tempted in all ways as we are tempted. He has not, because we have this high priest, uh, the author of Hebrews says, let us therefore come boldly to his presence. Let us therefore come boldly so that we may receive grace and help in our time of need. Let us draw, with, draw near with confidence. If Christ had not come, we wouldn't have this sympathizing high priest we wouldn't have, as John says, this advocate with the Father if we sin. We wouldn't have him. We wouldn't have the way, the truth, and the life. But praise God, God indeed came in the, in the person of his Son. And he brought us all these benefits. And there's so much more. I'm, I'm, I'm going through a few of these, but we wouldn't have the New Testament. We wouldn't have the Bible. Again, this list is not exhaustive, but Jesus came. As it says in John 15, 22, he came and he spoke and he did works. 
And those works are what disarmed the evil one. The devil, as the, the, Paul says, is what disarmed the, the powers of evil because he died on that cross. The son of man, Emmanuel, came and took himself, human flesh, took on the form of a servant, was obedient to the point of death, death on the cross, the, the worst instrument of curse and in some miraculous, glorious, wondrous way, that instrument of curse was turned upside down into an instrument of blessing for us. That instrument of curse disarmed the powers of evil. And now he is the Lord of heavens and earth, the Savior of mankind, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the Savior uh, of those who put their faith in him. And that is the reason why we celebrate. It's not because of the, the, the Christmas lights. It's not because of the, the fancy wrapped presents. It's not even because of family gatherings and, 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 uh, and feasting. It's not, it's not even because of it's a season to do good to those who are less fortunate in society. That's not the reason why we celebrate the coming of Christ. We celebrate the coming of Christ. Because had he not come, we'd be hopeless, helpless, in despair. My, my pleading with you, if you're a believer, and if you're an unbeliever as well, don't waste this season just thinking about what you're going to eat, what you're going to get, what you're going to give, who you're going to meet, don't waste this season just thinking about all these things as if Christ is not, has not come, because he has come. In the beginning, John says, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, amongst us. and we beheld his glory the glory as the, of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The truth, the truth we needed, the truth we could not discern, the truth we were not unable to see, and the grace that we needed was incarnated in the person of our Lord Jesus. May the Lord help us and grant to us that in these days, this evening and tomorrow and in days and weeks and years to come, we would know 